motley. Definition. Composed of diverse, often incongruous elements. Here's it in a sentence. The shelves are cluttered with a motley assortment of collectibles from many different eras. Walt Whitman was an American poet. He was an essay. He was a journalist. He settled in this space called humanism. And he was part of a transition between transcendentalism and realism. And he was considered one of the most influential poets in the American canon of poets at his time. And he, they often called him the father of free verse poetry. And during his career, he wasn't just a poet. He worked as a journalist, a teacher, a government clerk, and also was a volunteer nurse during the Civil War. And what he would look at is the everyday person, the common person within the American story. Leaves of Grass came out in 1855, and he published it with his own money. And from Leaves of Grass, one of my favorite poems was included in this, and I love it. And these words stood out to me. Do I contradict myself? Very well, then. I contradict myself. I am large. I contain multitudes. Mad Men Across the Water was a 1971 album by Elton John. And on that album was Elton's actually lowest charting album. The, the song that we remember that went on to get the most amount of popularity was the song Leave On. But there was another song called Indian Sunset. And Indian Sunset was written by Elton John. And it talked about a Native American warrior on the verge of defeat from the invading army of Americans. And at the end of the song, Elton John talks about the Native American warrior being shot dead by U.S. soldiers. Indian Sunset then was taken and sampled in the song Ghetto Gospel by Tupac Shakur. Welcome to the Stephen Thompson Experience. This is Stephen Thompson. And I'm here today to talk about divergent ideas. I'm here to get you to think, to ponder, to go deep, to not just make a general assumption, but to really look and wrestle with difficult ideas and then apply to your own life, to your own dreams, to your own goals, and move forward from a position of strength as you walk into your passions and your dreams. And we can walk next to each other and guide each other to our highest possibilities rather than walking in conflict with each other. And this month, I'm looking at the music of Tupac Shakur. Ghetto Gospel. Ghetto Gospel was written by Tupac Shakur. It was released after his death in 2004 on an album called Loyal to the Game. It had sampled Elton John's 1971 track, Indian Sunset, and this single topped the charts in the United Kingdom for three weeks. Also, in Australia, Czechoslovakia, and Ireland. And he wrote this song to talk about the war on the street. And he talked about addressing racial differences and dissidents. And he addressed poverty throughout this song. And he also paid tribute to two black activists, Malcolm X and Bobby Hutton, in the song. And he, this was a lyric. 
said, everyone's ashamed of youth because the truth looks strange, and for me it's reversed. We left the world that's cursed and it hurts because any day they'll push the button. All good men like Malcolm or Bobby Hutton died for nothing. Don't it make you teary? The world looks dreary. Bobby Hutton. Bobby Hutton was 16 years old in October of 1966. And Bobby went to the North Oakland Neighborhood Anti-Poverty Center. And at the time, this was a government-funded agency that employed local youth to work on community service projects, doing good in the community. When he was 16 years old, he became the first treasurer of the Black Panther Party. In May of 1967, Hutton went with 30 other Black Panthers who traveled to California to the state capital of Sacramento to protest against the Mulford Act. And the Mulford Act was a bill that would prohibit people from carrying loaded arms, firearms, in public. And the group walked into the state assembly armed with guns. And they were arrested. Now then, on October 6th, 1968, a man who was protesting for the right to bear arms, 17 years old, was killed by the Oakland police. At the time, Bobby Hutton, Eldridge Cleaver were going on an ambush to shoot out with the police in response to the assassination of Martin Luther King. Obviously, they were unarmed. At the, not, they weren't unarmed. They got to the point where they told Bobby to strip down to his underwear to demonstrate that he was unarmed. And then witnesses said after he had did this, he was shot 12 times while he was surrendering. Now, the police said that Hutton attempted to run away and ignored orders to stop. Other witnesses said that Bobby was shot by the police with his hands up. And then there was allegedly said that one Oakland police officer who witnessed the shootout later told him what they did was first-degree murder. Hutton was 17 or 18 when he passed away, when he was killed in this shootout. His funeral was held on April 12th at the Ephesians Church of God in Berkeley, California. 1,500 people attended the funeral and held a rally afterwards in Oakland. At the funeral, Marlon Brando gave Bobby Hutton's eulogy. And he was buried in a cemetery in Oakland. He didn't get a gravestone until 35 years after his death. You start off wanting to go and do good, working for a government-funded nonprofit that would help people in the community. And you end up being shot by the police. What is going on in these situations? What is happening? 
And then, then into the song spins into this section. It says, Tell me, do you see that old lady? Ain't it sad, living out of bags? Plus, she's glad for the little things she has. And over there, there's a lady. Crack got her crazy. Guess who's giving birth to a baby? I don't trip or let it fade me. From out of the frying pan, we jump into another form of slavery. Even now, I get discouraged, wondering if they take it all back. Will I still keep the courage? I refuse to be a role model. I set goals, take control, drink out of my own bottles. I make mistakes, but learn from every one of them. And when it's said and done, I bet this brother is a better one. If it upsets you, don't stress. Never forget that God isn't finished me finished with me yet. I feel his hand on my brain. When I write rhymes, I go blind and I let the Lord do his thing. But am I less holy because I choose to puff a blunt and drink a beer with my homies? Before we find world peace, we got to find peace and in the war in the streets. My ghetto gospel. Gospel. In Old English, God's spell from God equals good Plus, spell is news, a story. So, gospel is a good news story. And in ecclesiastical Latin, forgive me with my Latin here, boina anitatio or bonus nuntius used to gloss ecclesiastical Latin evangelicum from the Greek eugelium, good news, after the vowel was shortened in Old English, again, the first syllable was mistaken for God, but it meant good. Good news. Now, a ghetto, a couple definitions historically, there's a Jewish quarter in a city or an isolated or segregated area in a city. Good news, ghetto. Ghetto gospel. How do we put to get these two elements together? in our leadership, and in how we walk through our lives each day. Well, the first thing let's look at, people want to do good work. And if people want to do good work, we should resource them to be able to do that good work and not put opposition to that good work. And then we have these contradictory elements, right? Tupac is talking about it himself. He said, look, Am I less holy because I choose to puff a blunt and drink a beer with my homies? But then again, he's talking about God is clearly working through him. He's saying that. God hasn't finished me yet. I feel his hand on my brain. When I write rhymes, I go blind and let the Lord do his thing. So he's talking about being influenced by a spiritual force as he writes his music. Now, this is what I think we do. We focus on the puffing a blunt and drinking a beer with his homies. And then we just stop there. But why do we focus on that? You see, we don't have to carry ourselves that way, but let's focus on the good work. What do we need in the world? We, do we need people arguing about or adjudicating whether puffing a blunt is wrong or drinking a beer is wrong? But do we want to point people in the direction of the good work we want them to do? And maybe if we let people do the good work that they were going to do, then that would stop them from doing the blunt drinking smoking, and the beer drinking. Here's a little story from science. Neuroscience says that people who drink and people who smoke are medicating themselves. And they're medicating themselves because of the horrors that they witness on a daily basis. So I would argue in this situation that 
when you're watching people being shot, when you're watching people being killed, when you're seeing an old lady with, in, with a bag, when you're seeing a crack baby being born, it causes trauma on the brain. And that trauma forces you to medicate yourself. But then yet there's this other energy that is circling in you. And that energy that is circling in you is the energy to do good. And if we put those people into direction, into situations to do good, then they no longer need to medicate themselves. Then they no longer feel pain and then they do good. But what does that take? Well, let's see this. There's tools of leadership. Leadership is listening and leadership is making decisions that are in the best interest of the entire community you serve and not simply in the interest of your bias or your belief. So if you see an individual who is immensely talented but may have some contradictory elements to their behavior, what do you look at? If you look at their contradictory behaviors, if you look at the fact that they are smoking weed or if they are drinking or if they are cursing and that stops you, then we will have a road to more people dying. But if we take this approach, a lot of times it's good news means I've got to go in and save the ghetto. But let's look at it this way. Good news comes from an isolated or segregated group, and we need to take the opportunity I want to listen. Bobby Hutton was an individual who went to do good. 16 years old, treasurer of an organization. Now, it might be an organization that you didn't like, that you may have bias against, but what did they start out to do? Anti-poverty. What did they go to Washington, D.C. to do? To protest firearms. Now, I don't know. I'm not going to land on the firearm debate, but I do want everyone to know that this was a 16-year-old African-American student going in to protest firearms. He wanted the right to carry a firearm in public. How my, how my, how times have changed. But let's look at that just for a second. Do we want people to march forward in their strengths? Or do we want to stop them because of our bias? Part of being a leader is to give back. And it's not simply to climb the ladder. Now, I'm mid-career. I've climbed the ladder. I've been pushed back down the ladder. I've climbed it again. Now I'm building my own ladder. And I feel that I have the obligation to give back to people who are on the way up the ladder. And I need to carry them and pull them up. But if you're simply going to let your bias stand in the way of someone doing good work, then you got to really question your leadership. You are a club president, not a leader, if the only thing you can view the world through is the eyes of your bias. Just call it and admit it. But if you want to be a leader of a large group of people who, are, who have divergent views and who are moving in different directions, you're going to have to put your biases to the side and connect to the work the good work that you want people to do. Let's talk about something for a second. There is a process and there is a project. The project is to help people. 
We don't want people being born addicted to crack. And we don't want people being shot in the street. And that's what Tupac is saying in this song. And we want to be connected to a higher power. Now, he said he refuses to be a role model. And he's saying, look, I am not a person who you should look at or imitate it. But what he does say, he says, I set goals, take control, drank out of my own bottles. I make mistakes, but learn from every one. And when it's said and done, I bet this brother's a better one. Now, that statement is something that I think everybody can connect to and wants to be. We want to be the highest version of ourselves, but somebody else's contradictions should not be an obstacle for us learning how to be the best versions of ourselves. And that's where we've got to put down the hat of bias and realize that good news comes from an area that may be segregated and there may be hard things occurring in that area. But you know what? What role do you play? You see, Marlon Brando was at Bobby Hutton's funeral. People need allies and people need resources. They don't need lecturers. They don't need people wagging their fingers at them and tell them to, I, ha I can work. I have opportunity. You need to get out and work. You need to, uh, we need to value work. I think people value work. I think everybody values work. Neuroscience says that we're wired that way to value work. Daniel Pink says it, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. So we come in this world ready to work. I don't need somebody to tell me that. I need somebody to resource and train and help and provide opportunity. But more than that, you need not to be an obstacle to opportunity. You need not to be an obstacle to people who are talented and gifted and who stand before you each and every day ready to do good work. And that's where you need to examine yourself as a leader. If you are in charge of an organization, you have a responsibility to get people connected to their highest dreams and goals and visions. And if your, your, your bias is in the way, you've got to ask yourself, am I really a leader or am I a club manager? Ray Dalio says, the best idea wins. That's what he talks about in Radical Candor. So, the best idea means that all of these ideas communicate together. And then at the end, the group picks the best idea. Now, if you're in an organization and your idea of, of collaboration is that you and the leaders have already picked the best idea, you have it, you have your idea that you have picked in a room with other people. Then you get into the larger group and you let everybody talk. And then at the end of the day, you say, we're going to do my idea that we came up with the six people. That is not collaboration. That is not collaboration. In fact, it is a waste of time. So stop wasting people's time. If you want to be a top-down leader, then be a top-down leader. Don't try to hide collaboration inside of top-down leadership. I am perfectly fine, or we all are perfectly fine, being led by a top-down leader. At least we know what field we're playing on and we can make that decision. But don't try to hide who you are. We all have contradictions. And what we see is Tupac is allowing his contradictions to be out there in the world for everybody to see and everybody to evaluate and trying to move forward within those and not hiding them. 
from someone else. So we need to make those decisions in our leadership, in our lives, connecting ourselves to the best versions of ourselves and helping people to move forward from that space. Do I have the answers? No. But I do think in order to move forward, we will be better off saying, let's figure this out together rather than being stopped by biases. Now, there's a difference if somebody asks you to participate in something that you don't want to participate in, then fine, you don't have to participate in it. But if you can agree that there's good work to do, then we should do that good work. And I do think that if we put people in positions to do good work, then those biases, those things that we use to medicate ourselves from pain, reframe these ideas, then I think we can get more people doing good work and we can eliminate a lot of these problems and that we see in our world each day. What does that mean for us individually? I know that I think as I walk through my day, I try to make every attempt to use my gifts, skills, and abilities to help other people, or at least be compassionate towards other people who have less than me. I can tell you a story a couple of days ago. I'm driving around and I see an individual who's a street vendor and he sells fruit. I may have told this on another podcast, but He's, he's selling fruit, and the fruit spills over. The, the whole thing is, is broken. And at the time, I helped him pick it up. Now, I'm going home. I have access to Internet. I have microphones. I'm doing a podcast. I just did a phone, a Zoom call with a person in New York and a person in Portugal. I have access to so many things. But this individual selling the fruit card, it, it, he had nothing. His day was ruined. He may have had to pay somebody back. What I could do, I could help him pick up that fruit card. When I first moved to Los Angeles, I was driving down the street, and there's a huge homeless population in Los Angeles. And this was, this was a smaller homeless population 19 years ago, and I saw this man being beaten up by two other people. And there was a woman yelling and screaming, and I stopped my car. I don't know why I did this. I got out of my car. I ran over towards them. The people ran away. And... This homeless man just started yelling because I was there. He started yelling at me, and I just said, do you need any help? And then he just broke, and he said, help me. Help me. And at the time, all I had was $10. I gave him the $10, and I drove away, but I felt like that was the right thing to do. I, I, I mean, I didn't sit there and think about, you know, well, maybe he's going to go buy some liquor, or maybe he's going to go get drunk, or he's going to take that $10 and buy crack. I don't know. That's the future, okay? The future is whatever he does with my $10, and it's not my job to adjudicate the future. My job was in that moment, I saw someone who needed help, and I had to make the decision to help them. And I think that's really what we've got to do. In the moment, who's in front of us? How can we help? I think that makes the world a better place than adjudicating the future. And when we see somebody who needs help and our reaction is they're going to go take it and go spend it on liquor, well, that's the future. We don't know. And maybe they do go to a liquor store and spend it on liquor. But I know that I did something good and I'm trying to do something good. And we all have the opportunity to do something good each and every single day. We need to work on it. We need to define it. But I do think if we move forward from that space, 
from that space where we know that there's good news and good news can come from every place on the earth because we all are equipped with a spirit of a higher creator or a higher power if you believe that and if you don't believe that then according to science we all have the same amount of DNA and that DNA will allow us to construct a life and gifts and talents and we will end up in a place where we can do great things either from a scientific point of view or either from a spiritual point of view at the end of the day we are all wired to do good and that's the way we should move forward in the world this has been stephen thompson thank you so much for listening to the stephen thompson experience here's what i want you to do i want you to look up at the sky and i want you to say this is what i am thankful for i want you to look down on the ground plant your feet there and feel for a moment what you have and then look around at your surroundings. See what you have in front of you and around you and what surrounds you. And then move forward from that space and decide, today I'm going to do something good for someone else. And I'm going to reach for my highest dreams, goals, passions, what it may be. Have a good one. Bye-bye.